everyone, this is Van Cochran. Message today is titled Supernatural Dad because fathering requires the presence of the Holy Spirit in a man's life. The story we look at is the story of Absalom and David and uh, King David and some of the struggles that he faced in actually blessing his son Absalom. I hope this message encourages you, dads. We love you and we're for you. Father's Day, everyone. All the dads out there. Yeah, uh, my name's Van. I'm, I'm, I am a senior pastor of this church and also a father. My son was up here on stage earlier and very proud of him and all of our kids. But um, today I wanted to talk to you about the heart of fathering. And I titled the message Supernatural Dad. I did not title it Super Dad because there are no super dads. But we all need to be supernatural dads because without the presence of God, without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, we just can't father rightly. It's, it takes God's presence in our lives. It takes his wisdom coming to us, sometimes at the moment. It takes us trusting him to give us that wisdom at the moment in order for us to be the type of dads that God wants us to be. But I want to start with a passage from Malachi, Malachi chapter 3. Verses 23 and 24, the uh, last verse of the Old Testament says this. He says, Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, and he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. Okay, so you have the entire Old Testament. This is the last thing God says uh, in his word for 500 years before Jesus comes. And in, in light of everything that has happened in the Old Testament, just simply in light of everything that Malachi has challenged the people of Israel to and about, they, they were, they, they had grown cold in their hearts towards God. Um, husbands were abusing their wives and mistreating them. Employers were not paying their employees their, their uh, proper salaries. There was sorcery in the nation. In light of all of that, and in light of all the wonderful things the kingdom was going to bring, such as healing, won't be any sick people, such as uh, relational peace, there won't be any relational breakdown, such as uh, no more war and God's presence with us all the time. In, in spite of all the great things the kingdom is going to bring, and in spite of all the things that God could have said, this is what we need to work on, this is what we need to correct, God focuses on fathers and their children. Isn't that amazing? Fathers and their children, fathers and, and to their sons and to their daughters, and the hearts of the children being turned to the fathers. You see, this is how God designed us. God designed us to be in relationship. And you can expand this whole, whole verse to speak to the whole family unit, that, that God's heart is for family reconciliation, for relationship, particularly between uh, fathers and children. That does several things for us. One thing is this, when a father turns his heart towards his children, it gives him a new perspective of life. He's able to see life differently. He's able to see beyond himself. It's not just about me accomplishing what I can accomplish in my lifetime and then it's over. No, it's I'm carrying the baton and I'm going to pass it on. And, I'm, and it gives me the ability then as a father to think beyond my own life. You know, in Acts 2, when uh, Peter preached that great message on the day of Pentecost, and he quoted from Joel, one of the things it said was that the young men will see visions and the old men will dream dreams. 
Now, I'd always thought that meant, okay, once you get old, you don't see visions, but you'd go to sleep at night and you're sleeping all the time, so you dream dreams. But that's not what that means. I don't think that's what that means. He's saying the old men are going to be able to dream of the future. And maybe I have 10 years left, but I'm dreaming of 50 years from now. I'm dreaming of what's going to happen after, after I depart. And so what it does is it creates this, this synergy of overlap between the generations so that the fathers are not just thinking of their time and nothing more, but they're thinking beyond their time. And then that draws the hearts of the children in. And the children, and in fact, in the book of Psalms, it says that one generation is to teach the next, and then the next generation teaches the next generation. And so what you have there is this interlocking overlap uh, a grandfather, father who teaches his child, child goes out and has children, the child is teaching their children, and the grandfather is also teaching their children. And, and so there's this interlocking pattern between the generations. And God wants us to see our, ourselves as part of more than just one generation. We have to recognize that we are connected in an in, in intimate way, and that's God's heart. Now, a major issue that, that arises is that dads wound kids' hearts. See, kids automatically, they're, they're born with open hearts. They're born with an innocence that looks at dad or mom and, and just sees them as the, the sun and the moon and the stars. They're everything. And, and the child just has an open heart to them and an innocent spirit that just, just is saying to the, to the mom or to the dad, just love me, feed me, show me how to live, show me what this is all about. That's natural. But what happens is when the dads in the New Testament, it says fathers don't antagonize or don't exasperate your children. When fathers, because when we do that, we wound their hearts. And when a child has a wounded heart, then that child typically is gonna close their heart to their parent and probably to everybody else in their life. One of the greatest illustrations of this in the Bible was David and his son Absalom. David had a number of children and uh, Absalom was one of them. And um, Absalom had avenged his sister's uh, attacker. His, he, his sister had been attacked and assaulted by one of his half brothers. And Absalom set this elaborate scheme in place to avenge his sister's honor. And when he did that, then he had to flee. He fled the country and he lived in another country for three years because he had, he had killed his half-brother. And so David, the king, he's, he's just not sending after Solomon or after Absalom, his son. He's just letting, David was happy to let Absalom just live his life out over there until a woman came to him and she, she persuaded him that God's heart is for reconciliation. A wise woman from Tekoa, the woman of Tekoa, she comes to him and she presents this situation, this scenario. And, and she says, God's heart is not to separate, but God's heart is to, to, to bring the outcast back. And so when David hears that, he decides he'll have, he will have Absalom come home. But when Absalom came home, David wouldn't see him. Two more years, David wouldn't, would not let Absalom come into his presence. And when he did, finally did, and it says that David kissed him and wept, and, and David's heart was so much for Absalom, but he didn't know how to express it. 
And by that time, Absalom's heart had been hardened against David. And, and Absalom should have forgiven his father, but he didn't. And Absalom then goes into full-blown rebellion against his dad. Now, what, what you see here is a father who could not find the ability to turn his heart to his son. And by that, think of just open his heart up to his son. He just had a hard time doing that. And, and here's why. David was a warrior. You know, David could go out and face a dozen men in battle just like that, no fear. But when it came to his own son, he had fear and anxiety in that relationship. And here's something about warriors. Warriors can't show weakness. A warrior, if a warrior shows weakness, then the enemy sees that weakness and takes advantage of it. And so David, as a warrior all of his life, he's a man who knows I, I cannot show weakness. I'll tell you what, all men are like that, just about, because we're all kind of designed in some respect to be a warrior, to be a provider, to be the one that, that fights off the bear that's trying to attack the family. And, and because of that, there's this sense that typically for men, not all men, but for, for many, many men, I'd even say for most men, there's this inner sense of I've got to be strong. I can't show weakness. And part of that, what that does is it means we can't ask for help. Do you need help? No, I don't need help. I can do this myself. And it's a 500-pound rock I'm trying to move. I can't tell you how many times I've been doing something that was probably a two-man job or a three-man job, and my wife says, well, why don't you call so-and-so or so-and-so and ask them for help? Oh, I can do this myself. And, and there's, there's this, it, you, you could call it pride, but it's, it's not so much pride as it is just living out a sense of I've got to be strong. And, and so David has this in him, and in addition, David has some major issues in his past. And so David had sinned with a woman named Bathsheba, and she became pregnant. And in order to cover his sin, David had her husband murdered. And her husband, Uriah the Hittite, he was one of David's choice warriors. He was one of David's, it calls it, he had 30 mighty men. They were like his honor guard, his most trusted and loyal friends and fellow warriors. And so he had this man who was pledged to him for life and whom he was pledged to protect. He had him murdered in order to cover his own sin. And as a result of that sin, Solomon was born. And, 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 and I, I think that partly out of just his sense of regret and, and shame, he promised Bathsheba that Solomon would be the next king. And so now he has a son, Absalom, who is a tall, smart, good-looking man who fit, fits the role of any king anyone would ever want. And he's been exiled. Now he hasn't seen his father's face for five years, for three years, and then for two years, purposefully, David doesn't see him. And I think there are two things at play here. One, David is still dealing with the shame of his sin with Bathsheba dealing with the shame of that and the regret of that. And he's, he's, he's dealing with the murder of Uriah the Hittite. I mean, he's a king, and he killed a man who was his servant just to protect himself. I'll tell you what, anytime the enemy wanted to, anytime Satan wants to, he could pull on that string in David's heart. 
He, he just pulled out, what about Uriah? What, what about Bathsheba? And so there's this sense of shame that, that David is dealing with. And for him to open his heart to his son, he, he, he can't do that because there's shame in his heart. And that's causing him to keep a closed heart. But I think as well, because he had promised the kingdom to Solomon, and because Absalom looked like a king, and everybody, if, if they had voted right you know, somewhere in this time, I think the nation probably would have voted for Absalom from what you read about him. And he has to face Absalom. And not only does he have to deal with the shame of his own heart, but he has to face Absalom and he has to say, hey, son, I gotta tell you, you're not gonna be the next king. And I think David's heart was filled with fear over that. Fear of, how am I gonna explain that to him? Fear over this, what if I lose him? What if I say the wrong thing and I lose him? And that creates anxiety. And, and by actually giving into that anxiety, he did lose Absalom. And so I think it's really possible for us today, dads, to have something in our past that just is, we still hold on to. You, you might know Jesus forgave you. You might know that you're born again and it's all in the past, but you still know you did that, you made that choice, and you're still struggling with shame over it. And I think there's also the possibility that some of us are just kind of a little bit afraid of our kids, afraid to speak truth, afraid to confront, afraid for what am I going to say if he says this? If I say what I think I should say, I might lose him. You know, there was a, there was a priest, Eli, um, who, who would not correct his sons, it says, and, and there was a horrible price he paid in his family for that. But as dads, we have to realize that having an open heart makes you stronger. Opening your heart makes you stronger. It doesn't make you weaker. You don't have to play the role of the warrior all the time. And so being willing to open our hearts to our kids is so crucial. And being willing to give up that fear of saying the wrong thing, the anxiety that, that it could bring. I, I, I think for the first years of fathering, that was a major issue for me. Because at one key point in my life, and, and there were a lot more things in this than just the thing my dad said to me, which I'm going to share with you in just a moment. But I was making a big decision about whether I was going to join this fraternity or not in the college that I was at. And it was the biggest mistake in my life I think I ever made when I did actually pledge this fraternity because it was just totally committed to a debauched lifestyle. That's the whole thing. It, actually, two years after I graduated, the, co the college uh, disbanded that fraternity and said it's illegal, can never exist on this campus again because it was caused so much trouble. And I was deciding, am I going to pledge this or not? I had actually come to the decision to say I'm not going to. And then one night, two of my friends had a car accident late at night. And my dad said something about that that, um, that turned my heart. And when, when I told him about it, and I was emotional about it, he said, well, what do you expect staying out till 3 o'clock in the morning drinking? And he made that statement, and I thought right there on the spot, I thought, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pledge this fraternity. Now, 
there was a lot of other stuff involved in, in what was going on in my heart and life beyond just one statement. You all know that, don't you? But th that statement triggered in my mind this thought when I had kids. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I say something to them that's going to trigger them and they're going to go off? And so then that causes you to hold back and not to speak truth when you need to speak truth. And it took me, it took me a while to see that and to get over that. Now, let me say this. My dad also did so many great things for me in my life. When I was a little boy, he took me with him. So many places he went. I got to, I got to work with him. I got to go play ball with him. Um, when I was in college, I came home one weekend, and my older sister had a, a car accident um, down this narrow road where there was a big, a big drop-off off the edge of the road, and she accidentally drove off that and then wrecked her car. And my dad left me a note on the kitchen table that Monday morning, and it, and it said this. It said, Van, it was sure great having you here over this crazy weekend. Dad. Now, that blessed my heart. I kept that note in my wallet probably for 20 years. I don't know what happened to it. But, um, uh, and as well, when, when I did pledge the fraternity and my life was, was really going the wrong direction, my dad found a little New Testament Bible that I had been given in Sunday school, and he mailed it to me. And he said, you know, reading the Bible you know, can, can really help you when you're going through, you know, tough times, something like that. So I don't want to give you the wrong picture of my dad, but I, j I just want to say that one statement that he made kind of impacted me because of a lot of other factors. And I think it's possible for us as dads to fear doing something like that. And when we fear that, then, then we draw back and we withhold opening our hearts up to our children. But God calls us as fathers to open our hearts to our children, to get rid of regret and shame and anxiety, and to open our hearts to them. And I want to pray right now, and just take a moment, then I'm going to have a few practical things to share with the time I have left, but I'm going to pray right now for any dads that feel shame from the past, or, or there's some things from the past that you, you just can't quite move beyond, and and at times it causes you to fear opening your heart up because it's so crucial that you open your heart to your children and you stay connected with them heart to heart because what happens is your heart is going to bleed into theirs if you will open your heart to them. And if you do that when they're really young, then you can have a lifetime open-hearted relationship with your kids. And if, if you're beyond that really early, early stage of life, and if your children have come to a point where maybe there is some resentment or, or you feel like there's a separation between the two of you, then you can begin now to begin asking God, God, how do I reconnect with this child at a heart-to-heart, -heart, in a heart-to-heart -heart way? How do I reconnect with them heart to heart? How do I open my heart up with to them so that my heart can bleed into theirs? And so, dads, just let's all close our eyes. And, and if, this, if this applies to you, I, I just invite you to receive this, to receive this right now. Father, Father God, we know that it's never your intent that any of us live with guilt or shame. Jesus, thank you that you died on the cross to release us from all the guilt of all of our past. Thank you for that. 
And I pray right now freedom over every father here or any mother here as well that's struggling with some sense of guilt from the past. Be free of that right now in Jesus' name. Any sense of shame. And shame would be, I did that, so there must be something wrong with me. I did that once, so, so I'm inadequate. That's what shame is. In Jesus' name, I free you from the shame of that because you are a new creation in Christ, complete in him, lacking nothing, missing nothing. You can be free of that shame. Be free right now in Jesus' name of guilt and shame. Second thing is anxiety. If you've had anxiety of, of relating to your children and a fear, especially as they grow older, a fear of what to say, what to do, how to relate to them, I, I just pray right now God's wisdom to come upon you. And right now for God to show you that he is with you and that his wisdom will carry you. That he will give you wisdom and that you have to raise your children in faith. And there are times that you will go into a conversation not knowing what to say and you're relying on the Holy Spirit to show you what to say. And if you do that listening to the heart of your child, then the Holy Spirit's going to show you what to say in a way that will enable you to connect with the heart of your child. And so I pray for freedom from anxiety over communicating with children, over possibly uh, pushing them away or saying something that would uh, be harmful to your relationship with them. I pray a blessing of faith for wisdom in every relationship with, with your children, that God will give you the right words to speak as you seek to understand their hearts and, and to really, really grasp what God's doing in their hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's just like the first paragraph of my message. The time's <laughs> over. Okay, I'm gonna say just a couple things quickly. Bless them, bless them. Do you know God dances over his children? Do you know that? He, he sings over his children, he dances both. But God sings over you. And so get in touch with God's joy for your, your, your life and heart and express that same joy to your children. And God the Father said to Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Be pleased with your children, okay? And you might say, well, my child's not perfect. Jesus was perfect. That might be true. But God also said that he's taken all the sin out of the way. And he looks, he looks at you and me and he says, I'm pleased with you. In Jesus, I'm just so pleased with you. And so look at your children and be pleased with them. Love them, trust them, encourage them, and bless them. Second thing is this. Open your heart to them, as I've already talked, related. Um, Proverbs 23, 26, oh, my child, give me your heart. May your eyes take delight in following my ways. If you expect them to give you their heart, you have to open yours. Be authentic have a tender heart, um, admit weakness, ask them to pray for you uh, in an age-appropriate way, admit weakness, and, um, and, and respect and listen to them. And, and by doing that, you're opening your heart to them. Third thing is this, be a dad they can follow and count on. That means that you're following Jesus, not perfectly, but if you teach them to follow Jesus, but you're not following Jesus and they see that, that will create bitterness in them. 
So you don't have to follow Jesus perfectly, but you have to have a growing love for Jesus. And so you, a dad that they can follow. And then give them a mission in life. Invite them into your mission in life. And, uh, and guess what? That means you have to be tied into a mission for your life. Dads, embrace God's mission for your life and draw your kids into it. And, uh, and, and have the goal not of creating nice, happy American kids, but passionate, world-changing followers and lovers of Jesus. That's the goal right there. That's, that's what we want to see. That's what we want to have happen. And the Bible says that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And it says that when he meets his enemies in the gate, he will not be ashamed. A father who has his quiver full of children. And so we recognize we need the Holy Spirit to do this. There's no need for fear. There's no need for anxiety. We can be free of that and, and just walk in open-hearted connection with our children. And so uh, we're going to pray. The worship team is going to come out. We're going we're to have a final worship song this morning, and then we'll come back up and, and a little more ministry will happen, okay? So, Father God, we're thankful that you are the perfect father. We thank you for that. Thank you, Father, that you opened your heart up. You made yourself totally vulnerable to us. And that's one of the things that happens when we open our hearts. We become vulnerable. You did that, Lord, when you created Adam and Eve and gave them freedom in that garden. Thank you, Father, that you made the way for us to come back to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for everything so that we can not only know you and love you, but we can know each other and love each other without judgment. So make us, make us godly fathers and mothers. Let us see ourselves in a different light. Be the kind of parents you want us to be, spiritual parents filled with the Holy Spirit, trusting you walking in your power in life. In Jesus' name.